Welcome back to the Shred Takes podcast show. I'm your host, Michael Shredder. And this episode today is going to be presented with a guest on Amherst Men's Soccer, Bernie White. He'll be joining the program shortly. And I'm really excited to have him on. We're going to talk about Premier League Soccer, about his team, Liverpool, losing to Everton 2-0 yesterday. And kind of what's been going on with Liverpool, what's been going on with the Premier League. As I've stated, the Premier League has been really interesting this year, and I'm really looking forward to seeing how it progresses. Now, I know I'm usually a basketball guy on the show. I talk about basketball mostly. And we can jump right into that before Bernie gets on and break down a little bit of what I saw, right? Let's talk about the Lakers and specifically let's talk about the load LeBron James has had to carry and where I think this is going to go from here in terms of his MVP standings. Again, we will be having Bernie White in the show momentarily. And later on the show, I will be talking a little bit about where I think a team such as the Clippers will, will go and how they're going to do tonight against the Brooklyn Nets. Now, joining us in the program right now is Bernie White himself. Bernie, how are you? Good to see you, buddy. How's everything? Hey, Mike. How's it going? Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I want to jump right into a, a topic that you feel very familiar with, which is Premier League soccer. We've yep. been on the show before to discuss all that stuff. But as a Liverpool fan, it hasn't been too good recently. And I, I know you definitely have a lot of things to say about it, but... I watched a little bit of the game yesterday versus Everton, so I got to see a little bit of it. But Everton, again, came out with a victory. But due to the standings, it really didn't change a whole lot in, temp- in terms of their uh, place in the standings. They're still seventh right now. Uh-huh. Liverpool went from three to six, so that's a big blow to them. Now, I talked to some people recently, Al- your teammate Alex Shamrazadi, to be more specific, and a lot of it's due to injuries, from what I can tell, why Liverpool hasn't been quite the same. Mm-hmm. But I'd like to hear from your perspective why you think it, you know, what really happened yesterday, specifically from a schematic standpoint, that caused Everton to have the victory. Yeah, um, so first of all, like you said, injuries have been a huge issue for Liverpool this year. And I think soccer is one of those sports where you may think because there's 11 guys on the field, if one or two get injured, you know what, like it's, it's a professional team. They have good, they have good players who can come in and fill in those spots, but Liverpool, Liverpool's injuries have all happened in like specific positions. So our three best defenders are all center backs. So Van Dyke, Gomez, Matip, they're all, they're all out for the season now. So they're not even an option coming back from injury. And then what ended up happening was we had to use, we had to start using players who play defensive midfield and, kind of adjust them back into center back positions. So like Fabinho and Henderson are like the best examples of that. And both of them are now injured. Henderson got injured in the Derby yesterday. And um, so it's, as you, as you can tell, it's, it's just a, it's like a crazy situation. I don't think, I don't think we've seen an injury crisis like this in the, in the prem, especially on this big of a scale where it's defending champions, you know, strange COVID season. And to have this thrown in with everything has just been, it's been a tough time for Liverpool and it's, it's hard as a fan because you want to, you get frustrated about losses, but you also know that the group out, the group out there has been putting in great efforts. And I thought we actually played well for a lot of the game yesterday, but when you lose such important pieces and you're kind of, you're already having a battle with no fans and all of those other 
strange things that are happening this year, I think it's kind of like a perfect storm that's uh, come against us this year. So, yeah. So one thing I want to just ask you, since they don't have those key guys in the lineup now, what has changed in terms of their style? Because again, people who watch this show are more watching the show because of basketball standpoints. And Mm -hmm. I've been talking about soccer more recently. So talk a little bit about from that standpoint, okay, here's how they've had to change their lineup and how they've had to change the way they play and why you think it's not been so successful. Yeah. That I think that's a really interesting thing to talk about because I think people, people, people see it as center backs being injured means the defense is going to be worse, which it has inevitably. And, the guys that we've used to replace our starting center backs have not, they can't be as good. You can't be expect, expect them to be as good. But um, the big thing with losing Virgil and Gomez, who were the two like set starters is they were so good at defending that it allowed our outside backs, Trent Alexander Arnold and uh, Andrew Robertson, who have been this season, they've, they've both been through a bit of a rough patch because of what, like we're talking now, but, the last few seasons they've been both in the team of the year for like for the for the world and they've been just absolutely incredible and they're i would say they're the best they're still the best outside backs in the league but no one would ever say they're the best defending outside backs in the league what their job is normally is to to run up and down the wings get crosses into our to our front three and score goals and the assist the amount of assists that they've been putting up in the last few seasons have been incredible like rec- record breaking for defenders and this season, the numbers just aren't there because they're having they're having to make up for that loss of the center backs by staying back more and not being able to go as forward as much so we don't get exposed because our our defense our center back options right now can't be trusted like one on one like Virgil could or like Gomez could. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And because I was talking to Alex about it and how certain teams this year have been playing more of like a defensive game, playing more. Um, conservative and uh, passive because of just the whole injury landscape and just the whole turmoil. But a team I want to talk to you about, and I wish Barky was on here to talk about it because I think he has some things to say if he was on, but let's talk about Man United and Man City, right? Right now they're top two in the league. And I remember last time we talked, I remember Man U lost a game seven to one or or something crazy like that. Mm -hmm. I think it was six one to Spurs. 6-1 6-1 to Spurs, and we're saying they're saying their management was not very good and that, that kind of stuff. But from their perspective, I think Man City, everyone expected to be pretty good. Uh, maybe first, maybe not, but I think everyone expected that. But talk about how, why you think those teams specifically have taken such great advantage of this COVID season and have jumped to first and second place, respectively, in the league. Yeah, so I think both of those teams are interesting cases this season, and I think both both could be talked about a lot. I think I'll deal with city first because I think their, their explanation is more simple. And I think United has a lot more to it, but I, I think the thing about city is it looks like they're having a great season, which they definitely are, but I don't think anyone should be surprised by this because I mean, they have been putting up 90 plus points in the last, I think like three or four league seasons. And that's what they're on track for now. And the only reason that like, the only reason that, um, they haven't looked like as dominant in the last few years is because Liverpool was right there with them. And for the last few seasons, it was Liverpool and city going for it. No one else was really close. So now we're just seeing that cities do city's still doing the same thing. Liverpool's fallen off because of what we talked about before. Um, and I think also city brought in some really good defensive options and city has the luxury 
more than any other club, maybe than, other than Chelsea, to just spend money at, like whenever they want in any transfer window. If they need two defenders, they'll spend forty million on each and bring in two world class players. But um, so I think City City's City's example is is much more simple than United, and I think City will definitely win the league this year. I don't think I don't think there's I don't think United's um, like legitimately contending for it at this point, but um, they've obviously been impressive. And I don't know if you if you have anything to say about City before we get into United, but um. Yeah, I mean, I, I think with City, again, it just comes down to the fact that they've had a really talented team for years. And with mm-hmm. that comes a lot of success because they've been able to put it together well, right? And I, yeah. I agree with you. They've had, like you said, 90 points the last, you know, three years, which going into this year, I, I was, you know, breaking down some projection, predictions or projections with you guys. And I remember the summer, and I think that we talked about how we thought Man City was going to be at least a top five team, maybe higher, top oh, yeah. three. Yeah. Right. So I, I'm not as shocked about them. Um, I think what shocked me the most in Premier League, to be honest, and we, you know, I'll let you get into Man U in a second, but it has been the emergence of Man United, and a, maybe they're a, a fake contender at this point, and also the uh, terrible play of Sheffield United this year, and just the fact that I thought they were going to take a real step up this year, and they really haven't. So let's go back into Man U and just break down a little bit for everyone. Again, because this is people who don't normally miss listen to a whole lot of soccer. Just talk yeah. about, hey, this is why, you know, they went from a team that was poorly run in, in, from Barkey's point of view where after they lost the Spurs to a team that had second in the league. So that's a huge turnaround in my opinion. Yeah. Um, well, so, you know, you said, obviously, your show is normally basketball. I would say I would say you could – United is definitely the, the Lakers of the Premier League. And um, if you think about, like, the pre-LeBron Lakers, I think – that's a good I think it's a pretty good representation of like the way United was going they had a lot of success um like in the previous decades a lot of trophies great history but they just seem to be in like a rut and and I think I think that when Ole Ole their current manager was hired everyone was kind of like everyone just kind of thought that was a continuation of it they were just they were just going they weren't moving forwards in any way they were just kind of staying stagnant and, um but I think I think United has proven a lot of people wrong this season. And I, I, I've been impressed with the way they've just managed to like grind out games, the way they've, the way they've come through a lot of criticism, because I don't think we've seen a team have that like this much criticism in the, like the first half of a league and still be able to like they're second in the league right now. And I don't see that like they, they seem to be winning games at a, a good rate. They don't seem to be dropping some of the silly points they did last season. So, um, but I think if you're gonna if you're gonna pin down their success to one person, it's got to be Bruno. He's been he's probably he's been the signing of the last few years, and he he's just he's he's the leader of their team, and you can tell that the team really feeds off him. And I think he's been a huge part of their success. So now I want to get back to Liverpool because I want you to get to give you a chance to talk about your team. This is the team that I know that you enjoy watching, and also just you know I know a bunch of guys in the team enjoy watching Liverpool as well. So I'm looking through the next couple of games and I'll be honest, it's a, it's a, there are some games where I'm like, okay, they have a good, this is a pretty easy win for them, but I would not say any game in the premier league is an easy win, but let's go into just a little bit of their games. I mean, you know, this obviously, but they play Sheffield United, Chelsea, Fulham, and then they go into the uh, champions league uh, round of 16 leg two of two against uh, 
RB Leipzig. So again, yeah. all those games going in. So I, I want to ask you, how do you feel about those games? I think Chelsea and I even think the round of 16 game definitely would, would make me a little nervous because Chelsea right now is fifth in the league and you guys just lost to Leicester City and Everton, two teams that are top 10. Really, you know, mm-hmm. you guys got kind of blown out in both games. Yeah. Um, I guess Everton, not as much, but let's talk about those games, those next four games coming up and tell me kind of your confidence level or and what Liverpool needs to do to win those games. Yeah, so I think firstly, I think looking at the looking at the upcoming fixtures as a Liverpool fan, I think at this point where it's safe to say Liverpool's in the in the race for the top four. So I don't think we're 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 completely out of the title race. Um, so it's important now that we finish top four and get Champions League. And I think to do that, um, like you, if you talk about those next four fixtures, you said we play we play Fulham and Sheffield in those in two of those next four. Like those are games that if you want to finish in the top four, you have to win. So those two right away, I would say are must wins. And I don't, I think any 11 Liverpool should puts out will dominate the game. I don't, that doesn't necessarily mean the prem that you win it as we've seen many times, but I think those two games will, should be, should be wins. The Chelsea game will be tough because they have a new manager who's, who's got them playing well and they have a lot of dangerous attackers and a, a solid defense. So that'll be a tough game. And I think, I think so. I don't know if you saw the the game against Leipzig. That's the second leg of the of our tie with them. We won the first leg two zero last week. Um, so we already have a we have a two zero advantage going into that game. And I think it was it was it, we were talking about. I was talking about this with my with my teammates who I'm living with. It's it's interesting to watch those Champions League games against top teams from other countries because in that game where Liverpool won two zero, Leipzig made two really, really bad defensive errors that led to two easy Liverpool goals, and that was the difference. And you just don't see teams making those errors in the Prem. Like, if Liverpool, to score in the Premier League, has to put together a really good move or has to get – just, like, hit a good free kick or, you know, get a get a bounce of luck. But Leipzig handed us two goals, and I think – that for that reason, I do, I do think we'll get past Leipzig, but we could end up against, like, a Bayern or a Juventus in the next round, which would be – which I think would be really tough given our – current squad that's fair that's fair um i look i like to compare sport to sport so as you know i i I think you follow the nba enough to know the nba is a player driven league right the players kind of determine where they want to go they determine the players that come to certain franchises let's look like for example the brooklyn nets right or lebron james and the lakers right guys who just drive those markets and a lot of teams to go i wanted to ask you because You've mentioned management being important, how certain teams have been able to go out there and play and play at a high level. But let's talk about, do you think comparatively that Premier League soccer is more hinged on management and coaching, like front office, than the NBA as opposed as opposed to just being a player-driven league? Yeah, I think that's that's a really interesting point. And I think I would definitely say that the that football, soccer and, and – um, and um, across all leagues, not just the Premier League, is is much more of a management and um, and it's all it's much more management and organization driven in the way that the player like so Liverpool every player on Liverpool is a is a global superstar on the same like in England they would be on like the same level as any like top NBA player in terms of popularity and and fame, but none of them have any say whatsoever in who comes to the club. They might you know they could. 
they like Mo Salah could get on the phone to one of his old teammates and say, "Yo, I love it, Liverpool. You should come." But at the end of the day, it's the it's the club and the ownership group who's who's signing the players, and I think so. That's like the that's like the business side of it, and then the the coaching side. I think, and obviously basketball basketball is a very intricate um, like complex game that does require a lot of like plays and and coaching. But I think when you watch the NBA, you see guys just like you, you watch LeBron play in a game and he just kind of takes over. He, he's got the ball. He's like, there's a, there's a, there's an offense out there that the Lakers are running, but at the end of the day, the offenses give the ball to LeBron and let him score. So um, I think when you look at soccer, you can't do that because if one player tries to take on the other team, they've got, a, they've got 11 guys try to get it off of him. And so you need, you kind of, I think you need more of the, the manager to kind of drill into the team, what you're going to do, have some kind of, game plan whether you're going to sit back and counterattack, whether you're going to press from the from the start um so yeah i think i think that's a really interesting comparison to make and i think soccer i think soccer is different different than basketball in that way yeah i i agree with you it's just i thought it was an interesting point to bring up but i want to ask you just shining away from the Premier League a little bit. Let's talk about just what you've been able to do to try to keep yourself. As we last talked, you went abroad to England, right? I know you did Mm -hmm. stuff there, but since you've been back, what have you been doing to basically be ready for the fall season? Hopefully it happens. If hopefully it happens. And just, uh, I don't know, keeping yourself academically stimulated because I know that's not as easy to do during a layoff such as this. Yeah. Um, so obviously, yeah, we talked when I was in England and I had a great time there, was keeping in shape and, you know, doing what I could given the lockdowns. But, um, now I'm back in the U S I'm in San Diego with right now it's five of my teammates from the soccer team. So we're living together. We've been playing a lot. Um, just getting the, getting used to the ball again. Um, I've been doing like some goalkeeper stuff. Um, a lot of footwork, a lot of a lot of strength stuff and just um, injury prevention. So right now it's just like kind of, it's like in the, it's like in the Premier League when they're kind of in preseason and players are just getting fitness back. I would say this semester is more about getting your base fitness back, getting injury prevention, getting stronger. And then um, I think the case for me and a lot of the guys on the team will be looking for some place to play in the summer, if that's possible in terms of getting actual 11 v 11 games and like, training in a team environment. So um, that's the soccer side of it. Um, class, I know, I know you're not taking classes at the moment, but classes started this week for me. That was, that was a nice little awakening after being, after being away from school for a long time. And um, I'm, yeah, I'm taking, taking two, econ, two econ classes and a psych class. So getting my major requirements done and they seem to be good so far. So hopefully that, hopefully that keeps it, keeps up. Interesting. I just want to ask a little bit, and if you're not comfortable answering this, let me know. But I was asking, what are you look, looking most forward to improving yourself next season? I've talked to the guys, like, look, you guys are looking at a school like Tufts and just other schools in the NESCAC, right? But specifically Tufts because they beat you in the national championship last year. And losing Dane Lind is obviously a loss for you guys, but you do return a lot of your players, hopefully coming back. Um, it depends on, I don't know how many of the guys took the year off or whatever, but um, I want to ask you from a personal standpoint, because you had a very, very strong sophomore year, but what are you looking forward to saying, okay, this is where I need to get better based on talking to coach and watching film, stuff like that. Um, 
you know, where you think that you've been improving, trying to improve the most. Yeah, that's a good point. Cause I think what a lot of the, um, what a lot of like this lockdown and, and time, time off or time away from school has given us like a chance to reflect on, it's given me like a chance to reflect on my first two seasons and like how quickly it went by, but also like learning what, learning what I did well in those, in that time, like definitely all the things I can improve on. And I would say, I would say the one thing about our team and the way we play is it means that like last, last season I had, I, I like, I probably had like a high save percentage because a lot of the shots that came to me were under heavy pressure and we're not like, we're, we're realistically not like not great chances for the team. And I think that's something that like our whole team always prides ourselves on is not giving up easy chances. So like all the stats and stuff come from a good defense, not just a good goalkeeper. But um, I would say the, the, my main two things that I think, especially as in the NESCAC and being like a, being a tall goalkeeper is that just keep getting more dominant in the air, not just in the air, but just be with the being vocal coming out, leading the defense, especially being an upperclassman. And um, also just continue with, with getting quicker and footwork. I think those are, like quickness and footwork are the two things I'm sure for basketball as well, but for a goalkeeper, it's the, the most important things you could never be, you can never stop getting quicker and faster. So I would say just keep, keep working on that and keep com- becoming more dominant. Yeah. Well, especially you're six, five, six, six, and that's not always the easiest to be able to move laterally. And again, you have, you have, a, you guys have a big team, right? I'm not, you mm-hmm. know, I, I've watched you guys a ton last year and hopefully we'll be, doing some sort of color commentating for you guys when I come back, which I'm hoping to do. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't have any other questions. So I, again, like always, I'm really excited that you got to come on and join the show. And um, it's always fun to, to hear about some soccer because that's not a topic I usually cover a whole ton on this show and yeah. I do appreciate, do appreciate you coming on and uh, I'm glad everything's going well on your end as well. Yeah. Well, yeah. just want to say again, thank you so much for, having me on it's always good to talk to you and I've actually been I've been following the NBA much more now that I'm with my with my friends who who watch basketball and I think I think I've decided on Celtics Celtics will be my main team and then just for the Boston the Boston link and then I always support whichever team Jared Allen's on because he went to my high school so Cavs as well I was sad to see him go from Brooklyn but um now now I gotta now I gotta keep up the Cavs so (laughs) But appreciate yeah, it, Mike. Well, I, yeah, I appreciate it, man. And and for all the fans, that's Bernie White. Uh, he rising junior, yeah, bully for Amherst College men's soccer. So Bernie, thanks again for coming onto the program, pal. Yeah, Have a good one. Thanks, Mike. You too, bro. See ya. So that was Bernie White. He's the member of the men's soccer team. Welcome back to the show. So again, guys, that was Bernie White, junior on the men's soccer team. So we're going to be a rising junior, exceptional soccer player for those who have not seen him play. And he plays on just a great program at Amherst Men's Soccer. So I was really happy to have him on there. Now I want to jump into something that I've been wanting to talk about for a little while. And that's just the fact that the Lakers have struggled without Anthony Davis in the lineup. And from my perspective, it's, it's pretty simple why it is. And It's because LeBron's been asking to carry a lot of the load because the role players aren't really great role players without Anthony Davis or Dennis Schroeder in the lineup. And 
you see it. LeBron is having to exhaust a lot of energy. He's not missed a game. He's playing the most minutes in the Western Conference. And it's no excuse for him to go in 7 of 21 last night from the floor and not playing great against the Miami Heat. There's no excuse there. He needed to play better last night, and I'm going to acknowledge that. But when you score 32 points like he did on Thursday against the Brooklyn Nets and your team gets blown out of the building, I can't put the blame on LeBron James for that. But this is going to be from every sports talk show and all the media because LeBron is the most criticized, scrutinized athlete that we've seen and also one of the most glorified athletes as well in that own same retrospect. It's going to be a big time to see if he can lead this team and really improve his MVP stock. If he can do that, Lakers got a great chance to get in good position when Anthony Davis comes back, play at a high level, and LeBron can really improve his MVP stock. Now, from my opinion, does it really matter if, from LeBron's end if he wins MVP? I think last year it mattered to him. I think he only matters about how his team is playing going into playoff time. And I think that's what's more important to him. I don't think he likes losing back-to-back games. He's made it known that the Lakers aren't a team that like to lose back-to-back games. And that's what they pride themselves on last season. Now they've lost back-to-back games. And you could say that LeBron James is more default in the Miami game, the Brooklyn game. And he shot seven of 21. But Kuzma, I'll give Kyle Kuzma a lot of credit. He's been playing really well. 18 points against the Brooklyn Nets and 23 against the Miami Heat, playing some good defense as well. And Montrezl Harrell's been playing well on the offensive end. He had 18 and 10 against Miami yesterday. And he also had 10 points off the bench on a good field goal percentage against Brooklyn. His big problem, though, is his size limits him on the defensive end. And what I mean by that is that he just can't simply guard big centers because of his size. Against Miami, he can get away with that because Bam Adebayo is not quite a huge center that can dominate him in the post like a Nikola Jokic, Joel Embiid type who can really dominate you down low and make things really difficult for your defense. I think the Lakers are going to be fine, but I think this is a little concerning that their role players have not quite stepped up yet and that LeBron has to carry so much of a load. Contavious Caldwell Pope came out yesterday and said how LeBron has to carry too much for the Lakers and that they need to step up. Well, they do. And I understand the NBA is a player-driven league, but the NBA also is a league primarily focused also on teams coming together around star talent and making things work. Look at why Brooklyn's being successful right now is because their three star players, or at least the two who have played consistently, Kyrie and Harden, are playing well. And the role players in Joe Harris, DeAndre Jordan, Jeff Green, Lualu Cabarro, Landry Shamitz, guys like that have started to really step up. Oh, I'm sorry. I forgot Bruce Brown, too. He's been playing exceptional level as well. But that's why they're playing well on the offensive end, because those guys are knowing their role and they're sticking to it. The Lakers right now have gotten inconsistent play from their role players all season. Dennis Schroeder, even though he's averaging 14 points a game, has been very inconsistent. Montrez Harrell's been playing well on the offensive end, but he's not as good on the defensive end. Because, again, it's his size. And he plays hard, right? He's actually been relatively pretty consistent, even though his points are down. He's been playing better the last couple of games. Alex Caruso, I think, needs to play more, as well as Markeith Morris playing more, because I think their championship experience from last year can really help. And then the other guys just need to figure out a way to get themselves, figure out where they stick, right? Taylor Horton Tucker, Marcus Saul, 
guys, Catavius Caldwell, Pope, have to kind of find their niche again, find their game, and figure out how they're going to work with LeBron and Anthony Davis when he comes back in order to revamp for a championship run. That's my statement on the Lakers. I don't think people should be overreacting to them losing two games, but their role players need to play better, and I'm going to acknowledge that. But I think it's also from the fact that just that they're asked to do more now because LeBron is basically a one-man band. It's very similar to him in the 2018 year with the Cleveland Cavaliers. Now let's let's transfer over to something else now. Let's talk about the Brooklyn Nets versus the Los Angeles Clippers tonight. Brooklyn has played fantastic the last couple of games and really have shown me a lot of true grit and toughness, but also the fact that their offense is nearly impossible to stop because of how good the dribble penetration is from Kyrie and Harden. And the fact that Harden really has embraced that point guard role. That was something I was very skeptical about going into this season. But I do think that what has happened is the fact that James Harden has understood that he can get 20 points a game while getting 11 assists. And also the fact that Kyrie understands that he's better as a shooting guard. And those two have really worked together. And then you have Kevin Durant who still gets up 25 to 30 points. This will be a great test for them because the Clippers will be full strength. They will have another chance to beat the Clippers if you're Brooklyn, right? And the Clippers have a top five defense, the best three-point shooting team in the NBA at the moment. The, the Nets will get up to that point, I think, because since Harden has been there, they're going to be the best offense of all time and also have been right now the best three-point shooting team in the last couple of weeks, shooting over 46% from three. And they really have looked like the team that we could expect. That's really important. Now let's let's think about this from a different lens. How this how do I think this game is going to go tonight? I think Brooklyn's going to win this game, and I think Brooklyn's going to win this game simply because they're on a hot streak right now. The belief in them is is more solid. Kawhi and Paul George are just getting back into the fold, even though they did beat Utah on Friday. I think Brooklyn has it rolling right now, and their defense has gotten a lot better. And also, they have Kevin Durant tonight, and with that, how well they've been shooting from the three point line. I give them the slight edge. Now that's going to conclude my show. Again, my guest today on my podcast was Bernie White, Amherst men's soccer goalie. And it's going to be really exciting to see how this transfers over. Thank you guys.